Hello, Texans, and welcome to the program that gets you inside the building. NRG Stadium, it's Texans All Access. Mark Vandermeer and John Harris with you, and we have some visits with assistant coaches for you tonight, including but not limited to Jacques Césaire, defensive line coach. We'll hear also from Ben McDaniels, receivers coach and passing game coordinator, and close out the show with Miles Smith, linebackers coach. That's all coming up including thoughts from Johnny on various things around the NFL and beyond. So we'll get to that in just a few moments. But first, Jacques Césaire, former Charger, coached with them, coached with the Buffalo Bills on the D-line, and now he's your defensive line coach for the Houston Texans, and he reacts to being in Houston. It's been absolutely fantastic. Um, The people have been extremely nice um, and very welcoming. Uh, the uh, organization has been incredible. Uh, I've met a few of the players. Obviously, the opportunity to work with Lovey Smith was has just been incredible. So I'm extremely happy to be here and uh, can't wait to get to work. I said I was just going to call you coach because that was <laughs> that was easiest. However, yes. I'll ask you this. How does it feel to be called coach? You played in the league for, what, a decade or more? Yes, sir. Now you're a coach. What does that mean to you to be able to – not only to say, but to to live in an occupation as a coach. Right. Um, to me, that means to first and foremost to be a teacher. I think all coaches need to be teachers. Um, master your craft. Understand how to you know disseminate information to these guys as much as possible, so you can put them in the right situation and they can make plays. That's what it's about. Yeah. And um and and that's what I expected from my coaches. That's what I hope that I can give those guys as well. Um. And uh, I take that job very seriously. So yeah. but when you're playing, right, and, and you play at a certain level and then there you are coaching, how hard is it to translate what you know and, and what you can do to guys who maybe can't do it as well or maybe some are exceptional talents? How do you apply all of that? Um, you, you package it in a nice, neat uh, presentation. Uh, I'm big on pre- uh, presenting to the guys and uh, just helping them understand situational uh, awareness, uh, really teach them the game of football, really teach them their position fundamentals and what they need to do to be successful. So, um, like I said, uh, uh, it's, it's, it's unique how I do it, um, and I learned from some of the best, Eric Washington, who's now the, uh, uh, the Buffalo Bills defensive line coach. Mm-hmm. And um, it, it starts off with teaching and caring about the guys and getting those guys to play their absolute hardest and best for you every single play. One of the things about teaching, and I think it applies – to a defensive line in particular, because when you look at a defensive line, you're like, okay, that guy's 335, that guy's 265, right. that guy's fast, that guy's slow, yeah. that guy's strong, that guy's short. You got all kinds. Absolutely. It's like you would walk into a classroom. So you have to teach it differently in some sense to some guys as you would others. How do you go about getting that done, Coach, the fact that you will be around guys that, you know what, I can show them this move and this guy's going to get it. I can show this other guy the same move. He ain't going to get it. I got to teach him something different. How important does that become to coaching a group of um, diverse defensive linemen? Well, you know, first of all, it it comes down to what are we doing as a system? What's our philosophy? Okay. And and once I I establish that with the guys, everything else kind of falls into place. Uh, You know, we're not doing 80 different things. Right. And, 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 you know, but at the same time, it's not paid by the numbers. You know, there's going to be some leeway. But the guys will never go into a situation where they don't know what they're, they're, they're doing. They'll never leave a room and say, I didn't understand it. I didn't you know, know what, I, what I was getting myself into or anything like that. Yep. I'm going to make sure that they know everything that they need to know about the opponent, 
about who they're playing against, what situation they're going to be involved in, so they can go out there and play fast with their hair on fire. That's that's what I want. I want guys that are coming off the rock, 60 plays, 60 times, without any compromise, trying to disrupt anything that gets in their way. Texans history here. In 2011, Texans go to a 3-4, and they're 3-4 basically. I know everything's multiple and you change it up or whatever, but all the way through until Lovey Smith comes in last year right. and goes to 4-3, and I know, again, there are adjustments along the way, but got so much pressure on the quarterback last mm-hmm. year with four guys. How it, does it vary or differ here from what you were running in Buffalo or San Diego? What are the similarities and differences? Right. I mean, uh, obviously, you know, we had a four-man front in Buffalo uh, when I was there in Buffalo, and uh, very similar as far as uh, you got four guys generating pressure on the quarterback every every snap. And so that's what we're going to try and continue to do this, this uh, upcoming season. Um, I love what I see on film so far. Uh, like I said, I, I got a chance to sit down with some of the young guys on the team already, and uh, they seem excited and, and very open to, to what I'm about to teach them. And, um, you know, we're just ready to go. And uh, I'm excited. I am really excited about the 2022 season for the Houston Texans. So we've talked – you play for the Chargers. You coach the Buffalo Bills. You grew up in the Northeast. Do you have any ties to Houston whatsoever? <laughs> Is this the first time in Houston? Have you ever have you ever spent an August in Houston? No, I have not. Uh, <laughs> and, and a lot of people are telling me about the uh, humidity. Uh, you know, I'm not afraid of anything like that. And uh, I, I do have a friend down here from Gardner. His yep. name is uh, Jerry Gayton. I think he uh, coaches at Cinco Ranch. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, I was able to go hang out with him. Uh, Travis Johnson, one of your yep. you know, the, yeah. Texans uh, first round picks in the past I played with him in San Diego I had an opportunity to hang out with him so I got a couple of ties to the Houston area Um, I'm just kind of just learning my surroundings right now and driving around trying to figure out a place to stay so well, That's we're we're sorry about <laughs> Trap J. We're sorry. Yeah, yeah. No, That's my love, guy. That's we my love guy. we love yeah. him though because Absolutely. he's got the one thing you talked about. That's the passion. Oh, absolutely. He always had he always had the passion for the game and still does. I mean, you start talking ball with him and and you, that passion still comes out. And mm. I, I would imagine, like you said, you take sixty times in a game times seventeen. Mm. That's a lot of car crashes that your dudes have <laughs> got to put up with yeah. and deal with to still have that passion in week seventeen. I would imagine that's something that you're looking for in guys that you want to bring here, be it rookies or free agents or whatever the case might be. Yeah, I mean, we got to have high rush energy. Uh, we got to be in great rush conditioning. And, and we have to have a mindset that there's nothing that's going to stop us from getting to the quarterback. And so uh, that's, that's what we're hoping to establish uh, day one. And whoever comes in here, uh, that's, that's what they're going to get. Boy, you played for the Chargers through some really interesting times. Yeah. I mean, I know you're on the D-line, but there you are looking at Drew Brees being the quarterback, yeah. right, and making that switch to Phillip Rivers. Yeah. What was all that like as a player and watching that unfold? No, it was, it was fabulous. I mean, Drew and Phillip did a great job as far as leadership is concerned, and, and, and they never looked at it as, you know, I, I'm not trying to uh, help this guy out or anything like that. They were both leaders. In the classroom, weight room, on the field, when Drew was playing, Phillip was, was the look team quarterback, and he was trying to dice us up. And, uh, and, and yeah. you know, they, they just led by example, and they were probably one of the hardest-working individuals I've ever been around. And, um, and so once Drew left, it was an easy transition for Phillip to come in. So, um, you know, they, those guys are true professionals. You see the career that they've had over the years, and, and you know, seeing it from the, the genesis in, in the beginning, and, and how it unfolded was uh, is incredible. 
when Philip was a look team quarterback, was he squawking all the time too? Did <laughs> <laughs> he just talk steady yeah, talking? Yeah. Philip Rivers is the best trash talker I've ever been around <laughs> in my entire life. And, 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 and you know, I'm sure people have talked about this before in the past. He never he never cusses at yeah, all. Right, You'll never right. hear a cuss word yeah. coming out of his mouth. Right. And, uh, but uh, his trash talking is legendary, and he, he really knows how to get under your skin. Now, Philip ended up being a high school coach after he retired. He went to mm-hmm. the Colts for a year, then ended up retiring and became a, a head high school coach down in Alabama, which yeah. seemed perfect for him. His dad was a coach. Who is the inspiration for you to get into coaching? Oh, I I have tons of inf- right. inspiration. I, I'm always I'm I'm always looking for inspiration. I'm I'm inspired by your story the other day and 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 how you uh, communicate with people and how you 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 just had a passion for the Houston Texans and being the the, the voice of the Texans. That that inspires me. Let the and record so, show on radio. He's talking to me right now. By the way, Johnny, <laughs> you trying to make me feel <laughs> yeah, bad no, here? I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. I've been around yeah. here for a while. Thank you very just wasn't meeting. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, but I've I've All had right, coach. You know, I'm gonna remember that. <laughs> <laughs> right. No, I've I've had uh, quite a few. Uh, uh, you know, great teachers in my day. Um, starting with my high school coach Walter Dubzinski uh, from Gardner. Yep. Um, my college coach Rich Cavanaugh and Mike Dodge. Um, obviously, being in the NFL with a guy like Marty Scheinheimer, North Turner, yep. Ron Rivera. Um, you know, Eric Washington, my D-line coach that uh, that's at uh, in, in Buffalo right now. Sean McDermott, uh, Leslie Frazier. I mean, you're talking about mm-hmm. some of the best coaches that have ever you know coached this game and. Um, just being around them has, has always inspired me. They, they were teachers first. They were leaders of men. They were passionate at what they were doing. They did things the right way, and um, that, that's, that's what I hope that my legacy can be uh, moving forward. When you were playing, you see all the hours the coaches are putting in. Yeah. Did that – obviously, it didn't scare you. You went into the no. profession, but it scares a lot of guys right. or concerns them, I should say, as they're deciding whether or not to be a coach. Right. <laughs> you know, uh, my mother uh, – you know, she she worked 16-hour days as a as an RN in Massachusetts, mm. and I saw her doing that. You know, almost every single day. So, I, I'm not afraid of hours and long work. But to me, when I come in here, this is not work. Okay, they're they're, they're playing me to, to paying me to coach football, to to motivate guys, stimulate guys, teach guys. That that's not work to me. That's fun. You know? and, and so. Um, you can lose yourself in, in that office. You could be there for hours on end, and then all of a sudden you look up, it's, it's midnight. You're like, I got to get out of here. But uh, it, to, to me, the long hours and things like that, that's, that's not work for me. Growing up, did you have a favorite player, and who was it? I did have a favorite player, uh, John Randall. And, uh, oh, he, he Estonian. Is, yeah, yeah he, is the, um, he is what a three technique is in this system, uh, a single-gap penetrating disruptive force. Uh, be able to be able to make the inside move and collapse the depth of the pocket, get get pressure on the quarterback every single snap. That that is the type of three technique that I wanted to be, and that I'm hoping that I can coach these guys to be. One thing about John Randall, he's not prototype size. He was six one yeah. maybe. Yeah. He was not prototype size. And because you love John Randall, I'm not saying that every single guy you bring in here is going to be <laughs> six foot one. Yeah. But it kind of goes back to the other question, that being. I know we just talked to Coach Warhop. He's talking about length and things that you want to have for an offensive right. line. Is there something, a physical trait that you know your defensive linemen have got to have that have to they have to have to be able to play for you and for the system? Uh, you know, obviously they need some explosive first-step ability, initial quickness. Um, but for me, I, I don't look at anything. I, I need to see what's in here. Yeah. Okay. If you got a passion to play and, and you want to get after the quarterback and you're willing to do anything and everything to do that – then I'll coach you. 
and, and I'll give you the tools and the information that you need to be successful. You know, uh, Buffalo Bills have a three tech uh, three technique by the name of Ed Oliver. He's about six yeah. one, two hundred and eighty pounds. Not or the prototypical guy that you'd want as a three technique. Oh, he paid you yeah. to say he's six one. <laughs> he paid you. I watched him coach at his pro day walk right by right by the measurement. Yeah. He went right by and he was like, No, I'm done. <laughs> Just tell him I'm six yeah. one. Yeah, but what, what people don't know about Ed is that he's he's probably seven five and hard. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And, and and that's what that's what we're looking for. I just want a guy that is passionate and wants to play every single day, wants to practice every day, wants to play every day. Isn't too cool to school, wants to come out here and 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 play the best ball that he can and and, and do it for the fans. Yeah. You know, do it for his team, do it for his family members, do it for himself. Uh what's the Gardner Massachusetts big rival? What's Gardner's biggest rival? The Oakmont Spartans. Okay. Ooh, yeah. Was that the Thanksgiving game? Yeah, that is a Thanksgiving game. See, that's what they game. do, Johnny. Yeah. They play on Thanksgiving. It's a, yeah. that's like a we, bowl game every and, and year. Right? Still, and still to this the, to this day, I don't like them. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, we yeah. would hope no. We listen. We, we would hope no no other. We play our Thanksgiving Day games in here. Mm. Yeah. That's what we do. We play our games in here, and there will be butts and seats in here. And you can see I'm pointing to NRG Stadium. That's where we play our Thanksgiving Day games. Right, but they're playoff games by then. Yeah, they're playoff games. These are – it doesn't matter what the record is, right? The Thanksgiving game in Massachusetts is is your bowl game. Yeah, it's big-time tradition. Yeah, it's big-time tradition. All right, if you're about that, if you're – I'm just saying, Coach, you go to your buddy's Cinco Ranch games. Yeah. I'm just saying it's going to be a little different. No, you couldn't do it here. You couldn't do the Thanksgiving game. I'm I'm definitely going to check out some Friday Night Lights around here. I've I've heard a lot about Texas high school football, and I'm extremely excited to enjoy that as well. Jacques Césaire, defensive line coach for the Texans. We'll get to Ben McDaniels and Miles Smith in a few moments as well. But, Johnny, reaction to Césaire being the defensive line coach here and, you know, coach that 4-3, try to get pressure on the quarterback like the Texans did last year. Bobby King did a solid job here. And it's up to Césaire to make sure they continue to grow, to progress here to continue to get pressure and I know it's all coordinated by Lovey Smith and we're going to have Miles Smith on a little bit later uh, and he'll talk about that some more but man getting pressure stopping that run the fundamentals certainly apply no doubt uh first thing that stood out was he likes you uh way more than me so we got <laughs> we got to work on that a little we got to work on that a little bit I'm not I'm not envious well no. you know what he was talking about just uh, hold off uh, I'm going to press pause on, on that I did a talk on the history of the Texans for the new employees in football operations right. and we have a video that we roll that's really for internal purposes and I talked about the history of the team that's what he was referring to you weren't in that session I'm sorry my friend but it was a it was a quickie no I know quickie. no I, I I understand it I I kid um I just listening to the coaches that we had a chance to talk to, the one thing that really stood out to me, especially about Jock, was his passion. Like, you could see it. You could see it come forth. And I – it's funny. I was thinking about today walking into the building. I don't know why. I was thinking about Dwayne Brown. And I was thinking about why I missed on Dwayne Brown. And <laughs> – you still are haunted by I'm this. I'm still haunted by this. But but here but here's what I here's what I learned. And I was like, here's the lesson that I've learned, and that is if a guy has the tools, he has the traits, he has the assets, and he has the passion for being great. Like it drives him every day to be great. That guy's gonna end up being a really good football player. Or whatever sport you're talking about, football in our case. 
And that's what I missed about Dwayne. I looked at a guy at a particular moment in time and thought, mm, no. I didn't forecast what he could be given those things, that he has traits, he has assets. And oh, by the way, he's going to work his tail off to get better and better. The reason I bring that up is I was thinking about that as we were talking to Coach because here's a guy that came from Southern Connecticut State, right? So he had to grind at a school nobody's really ever heard of. He gets the NFL. He grinds to stay in the league for a decade. He then goes into the coaching routes. Now he's doing the defensive assistant thing. So he's got to grind. And all the while, you know he's talented. You know he's got the ability. Does he have the passion? Well, if you're doing it the way he's done it and you're getting to this point, a guy doesn't do it and isn't successful without having a passion for the game and having a passion for people and have a passion for coaching. And that came out as we were talking to him. And I thought a guy like that will not fail as a coach because he's got all the traits you're looking for in a coach. Obviously, he's played, so he's got a lot of technique things that he's learned along the way. He's been around some great mentors. But you can tell he wants it. He wants to be a great coach. He wants to be able to share with his guys. And those are the coaches that ended up sticking around a long time and being ultra successful because they've got a passion for coaching. They come from a background in which they had to grind a little bit so they can talk about that part of things. They weren't, you know, five-star recruit, went to Alabama, got all the accolades, first-round draft pick. It was all easy for him. It wasn't easy for him. But the fact that he then went from a playing career to then grind through the, the defensive assistant role for a number of years before he became the defensive line coach here, that's a guy I'll sink you know, money and effort in all day long because I know he's going to put in whatever it takes to be successful. I can look at that guy and know he's going to be successful. Yeah, He's going to be a successful football coach because he's got the passion to be great on top of the fact that he's got all these other assets that come with being a former player, uh, being you know a, a, a really good player, being a guy that had to grind for a spot on his roster, being around the NFL for a while. And you can just tell listening to him, he – He's excited about coaching this, this defensive line. Not to say other coaches aren't excited, but there's some coaches that are like, all right, you know, I'll put, I'll put the time in. I'll do what I have to do. But it's just, you know, it's what it is. It's a job. And when he said, I mean, I get to come work here. I mean, that's, yeah. I mean, that's, that's huge. That's pretty huge. That's how I feel. Yeah. All Same. right. So before we get to our other coaches here in this evening's show, we'll have more as the week goes on here. Scouting combine next week. Shortly after we were done with our conversation on the topic yesterday, news broke that the bubble had burst. There would be no bubble yep. at the combine for the players. Uh, they're going to take certain precautions, but they'll be able to function as relatively normal human beings in Indianapolis yep. next week. Your reaction? I think that's important. Obviously, I think the other one is. Will they make any adjustment to the bench press schedule and the combine workout itself? They have planned to do that. They wanted to change things. I guess over the years, the combine, people have talked to the players and the prospects and asked them, and they said that a lot of the information they got was put it on one day. We're there one day longer than we need to. To me, I, I don't, as an NFL staff, I kind of want to see them over an extended period of time. Yeah. Because. You know, short sprints, great. But what about that extended marathon type thing that the combine really puts you through the rigors of all yeah. that? Yep. And so I get the thought that, yes, a pro day, you have to bench and then go out and do your work. I, I get all that. But you haven't spent two or three days doing all these other things 
prior to that. So we'll see how that goes. But I, I, I like the fact that the NFL said or the combine people, whomever made the decision, let them, let them live, let them be. Let's get, let's get back, let's get this thing back to, um, to what it was in 2020, and and let's go. But I give them credit for standing up and saying, hey, we think it should be done a certain way, and if it's not, then we don't think it's going to behoove us to be there. So we'll see how how it goes. I'm I'm glad that part of it's kind of put to the side and. Hopefully we can go all go to Indianapolis and look. We don't we don't get a, a ton, if any, prospect interviews or anything like that. I mean, it, we don't know who we're gonna get mm-hmm. at that point. So I mean, we get our interviews, and those interviews are gonna happen, and that work was gonna happen regardless. But the reason for the season, if you will, are those prospects. Yeah, that's the reason we're there, and that's right. what you know. It's grown into something different. But the main thing is, what do these guys do in a testing setting in a physical setting? Um, and and being able to to be there to see that is is hugely important. So I was glad to see that people, common sense. Let's talk about this. Let's think this through. Okay, let's do this. And not going to say that all things shouldn't be that way. I understand some things are more complicated, but I'm glad that everybody came to their senses. And hopefully, we can see those 150 players that maybe weren't going to be there. We're going to quote unquote boycott that they'll be there and go through the testing and do whatever they got to do. All right, coming up next, Ben McDaniels, receivers coach and pass game coordinator. Let's hear from him, his thoughts on Nico Collins, Davis Mills, among other things here on Texans Radio. Moving right along on Texans All Access, Mark Vandermeer and John Harris with you in the Hyundai Texans Radio Studio. Let's get to Ben McDaniels. You know his brother, Josh, is the head coach of the L.A. Raiders, former Patriots assistant. Well, Ben's been around the league and then some over the years, and last year was an assistant wide receivers coach here. Now he's the wide receivers coach and the passing game coordinator, and he reacts to the changes in the building. It's been awesome. A lot of moving parts, uh, some new faces obviously that we've added to the building um which is great um but then uh on the other side of that there's plenty of familiar faces there's a bunch of us that they were a part of it a year ago and and grateful to be to continue to be part of it coaches the game has evolved and i know you've been around it for a long time we've seen positions run game coordinator pass game coordinator i think we're a lot of fans what does that mean to be pass game coordinator what does that what does that allow you to do be it during the week, game day, et cetera, to be the pass game coordinator. What does that allow you to do? Yeah, it, I think it just puts my focus on the passing game uh, for us offensively. Um, and Pep and and Lovey have uh, you know put their trust in uh, in me to you know um, use my expertise and and my uh, my vision and and uh, to be able to help our our, our passing game in, in numerous ways, um, both through the week and on game day. All right, so wide receivers in the off season, they it felt like there were forty seven receivers in the building, you know. And I know it whittled down. You got to the regular season, but let's focus on Nico for the moment because he's entering his so called sophomore campaign in the NFL. What'd you make of his progress throughout his rookie campaign? Uh, I thought he made great progress. Um, I was really impressed with how he came in. Uh, you know, first and foremost, I had a past with Nico. Um, I was I was with Nico at, at Michigan. Um, for a handful of years, so I, w- I had a familiarity with him, um, and even saying that, I was that much more impressed with how he came into the building, um, his readiness, um, his his uh, his physical shape, um, and just uh, and then from there, really, uh, all the traits that he already is kind of took over. He's uh, he's a great person. Um, he works as hard as as you could possibly want him to work. Um, he wants to be great, 
um, you know, and, and a lot of those things contributed to, to his success a year ago. He opted out in 2020. Did you see any sort of rust that he had to sort of bang off, if you will, to no, kind of get ready for 2020? No, I mean, that's kind of where I'm going with that. Yeah. You know, I mean, he didn't he didn't have a 2020 season, so I had missed a year, uh, you know, watching him play. So, um, again, I, I give him a lot of credit for how he came in um, last year. At the other end of the, the, the spectrum is a crystalled vet, Brandon Cooks. What did you see with Brandon last year, and what did he mean to this offense, and what can he mean going forward? Yeah, he's a he's a pretty, uh, pretty special person. Um, really important to our building. Um, he's a great professional. Uh, he's a great leader, both in uh, in the receiver room and our locker room. Um, uh, he's he he's a he's a vital piece to uh, all the young guys that that need to look for somebody to follow. Uh, Brandon for sure is that. Um, and uh, it was it was it was special for me to to be around him. Um, he's got a lot of years in this league and has had a significant amount of success. So um, uh, it was uh, he, he's a vital piece. Ben McDaniel's joining us on Texans Radio. Coach, tell us about the Pep Hamilton offense and how it's going to be different, if at all, this year. The um, system. Yeah, I'll I'll, uh, I'll let everybody else um, either talk about that or watch <laughs> that whenever that becomes the case. Um, but. Uh, but I know Pep uh, does a great job of organizing who we want to be um, and really um, utilizing our, our people is really the truth. Um, utilizing the skills of, of our players and, and letting our, our players' talents um, shine within the, within the system and within the offense. And, and that's uh, obviously the goal um, you know, to help us uh, score as many points as we can. Growing up, did you know coaching was it for you? Like, Did you think coaching that like it was – it was written in stone. You were going to be a coach. Did you know that growing up, or yeah. it just kind of evolved that way for I th- you? I think so. Um, I think so. There was a period of time, I think, um, probably in my college years, where um, I wondered what avenue that is, um, um, especially within sports. Yeah. Um, but I grew up in it. I'm grateful to have grown up in it. I grew up in a place uh, where you learn how to love football. Um, that has never left me, and. Um, that's that's really what has driven me into the into the profession and and uh, and allowed me to to love what I do. You could probably write a book on the differences of coaching high school athletes, college athletes, pro athletes. You were a Canton McKinley quarterbacks coach, Warren G. Harding. That's where you started your career, and also you've been numerous NFL teams in Michigan. You were just mentioning that. What are the key differences here, Coach? Um, I think uh, I think every level of football. Um, the uh, the maturity of the player changes obviously, um, both physically and mentally. Um, I think uh, I think as you continue to, to grow into college and the NFL game, um, your expectations for what the players can and can't know um, changes greatly, um, and and your ability to push uh, push who they are mentally, push who they are physically. Um, I think that just continues to grow as you get older um, and play at the different levels. I've always been on a mindset, if you can coach, you can coach. If you can coach, I mean, you can coach little guys, you can coach big guys. I mean, it, I've always been a, a, of that mindset um, that you can do that. Now, receivers are always tied into one particular position that everybody wants to talk about. Coach, what did you see with Davis Mills, and how did he create that synergy with your receivers, especially when he came back in the lineup to start back in December? Yeah, I just I think he has a, a great confidence about who he is. Um, he's very comfortable in his own shoes, and um, he does a great job communicating with the receiver group. Um, 
Um, I think he got more and more comfortable a year ago, um, and uh, and I think the production on the field uh, showed that. Um, but um, yeah, he he it, you know he has a great demeanor about how he goes football, uh, goes about football both in the building and out on the out on the practice field. What are some of the tougher things about coaching receivers? Because Look, to the layperson, all right, you're running a 15-yard out. Well, if you're starting at the 43 or whatever, uh, count 15 yards and run the out. So how much of it is timing that you have to work on versus feel versus whatever, Coach? It's all of that. It is. It's all of that. Um, we're doing some math every once in a while. <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, but there's it's really developing habits and uh, developing a rhythm um, with how you go about um, kind of getting yourself open. Um, there's, there's a lot of pieces, parts that go into that, both at the start of the route, uh, and at the top of the route. Um, and then before, before any of that, um, you know, it's my job to, to help them anticipate what, what is it going to be post-snap, you know, based on what it looks like pre-snap. So there's a lot of things that go into that in the passing game. Receiver or otherwise, just because you coach the position doesn't mean that you grew up loving that particular position, but did you have a player or two that you looked up to and thought, those are my guys. Um, uh, you know, I was an Ohioan, um, and this is this is blasphemous in some ways, um, but I, I really wasn't a Browns fan. Um, That's okay. With um, us. I was from Northeast Ohio, so you Ooh. know, um, Cincinnati really wasn't a part of it either. Um, um, I I probably was a, a Joe Montana 49ers guy growing up as much as anything, uh, but more than anything, uh, I grew up uh, I grew up loving high school football. My dad was a high school. Uh, head coach my entire life so uh, my favorite players my favorite teams um, are all high school teams and high school <laughs> players from my childhood so give us one um, well you coach at Canton McKinley yeah yeah uh, you know R Ryan Henry um, you know Jeff Richardson um, guys that came up through the 80s uh, playing for my dad when I was just a little boy um, you know just just I mean the, the names are endless for me um, you know being on the sidelines running around uh, the huddle and run around at practice and, and those things. But, uh, yeah, the names are endless of, of all those great Kent McKinley teams. All right, so you go to Kent State, all right? So we were talking about your brother and how, hey, you have D1 here, okay? Golden Flashes, Kent State all the way, Mid-American Conference. I used to be in the MAC too, as an announcer, so I, uh, I feel that. But tell us why, why you go there. Um, I think uh, I think being – um, being close uh, meant something to me more than I even realized then. Um, it's not far from Canton, and so uh, so I I appreciated that, and I, I think that was um, something that was inviting to me. Um, Dean Pease, um, I was excited to to go play for him. Um, he's been around this league for a long time, right? Um, uh, in different capacities, and um, he was phenomenal to play for and and be a part of his program. Um, I had teammates that went there um, from my high school team. Um, so it was really a, a, a pretty easy uh, fit for me, and, and uh, it was a good place for me. So when people want to visit and they come visit you in Canada, they immediately like, let's go to the Hall of Fame. Is that some place they all want to go? I mean, how many times have you been there? Uh, yeah, I've been there an uncountable amount of times, uh, really, honestly. Uh, multiple times a year, most years of my life, uh, especially growing up. Um, uh, yeah, you should. If you know if you're if you're going to Canton, um, there's 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 no reason that you sh you shouldn't go to the Hall of Fame. It's a special place. All right, outside. By the way, before I get to this next question, working at Michigan, being from Ohio, that had to be a little bit weird, right? I mean, that uniform, 
you ha- you were conditioned to not like those guys. Again, I I, I say this it, again. I you know my dad was a head football coach at Kent McKinley High School, and that's really all that mattered to us growing yeah, up. Yeah. Okay. Um. We we didn't grow up Buckeyes. We didn't you know right. we didn't grow up Browns fans. God, good for um, you. Um. We grew up you know fans of my dad's teams. Yeah. And uh and that probably disconnected me from all the things that you're talking about, Mark. Because and and to be honest, I probably uh was as much of a Michigan fan uh, growing up as 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 anything. Um and and um I don't particularly even remember all those reasons. Yeah. Um But I yeah I I grew up a I grew up a Canton McKinley Bulldog fan, and then everything else was just kind of on the outside. It's interesting hearing you say that because I was a Marinette Marine fan forever. And just like you, I can I can remember the guys that played for for my dad. I can remember being the same. Like you talked about, I was going to ask you about that. Run around on the sideline as a little kid. I mean, I was just doing that all the time. Those are the guys that I grew up. I wanted to be like Marinette Marines. It wasn't until I came to Houston that I realized, holy cow, there's another world of there's another world of of football out there. But your time at Michigan, just being at the big house, being with Pep there at Michigan. I can't remember if you were on the staff. They went to Rome. Were you on the staff? They ended up going I wasn't. to Rome. That was Michigan. a year. That was a year ahead of uh, ahead of me being there. Jim was always kind of pushing the envelope with different things. What was it like to to work for Jim and to be there with the Wolverines? Um, it's uh, it's what you just said. He pushes the envelope. He's uh, he thinks outside the box on how he approaches the game, how he approaches uh, the program, and and uh, and does a great job uh, building the program. Um, you know, for the players, the coaches, um, and and obviously has done a great job at the university. All right, so after living in Ann Arbor, Denver, suburban New York, when you're at Rutgers, all these different places. You're you're leaving out a bunch of places. Yeah, I know. I I can't go through them all. (laughs) But what do you think of Houston being here, being a resident? Love it. Love it. Um, More importantly, my wife loves it. Uh, She's a warm-weather girl. Um, She's from Denver, which wouldn't suggest she's a warm-weather girl, but um, she went to school at Arizona, um, and I think uh, she's been stamped that way ever since. So. More importantly, she loves it here. Um, we've really enjoyed the community, um, really love the people, uh, really love all the things that we get to do with our kids. Our our kids are young, uh, almost nine, six, and one. So there's a million things for us to do with our kids, and, and uh, for the most part, we get to do it outside. All right, Coach, thanks a lot for joining us. Good thanks, luck. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. There's Josh McDaniels, wide receivers coach and passing game coordinator for your Texans. Miles Smith coming up, linebackers coach. Let's talk to him about his group next here on Texans Radio. Final guest tonight on Texans All Access as we're catching up with assistant coaches is Miles Smith, linebackers coach, the coach's son. His boss, his job pretty much remains the same in 2022. Well, with me personally, I don't think there's a whole lot of change. You know, we still have the same defensive coordinator as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. And, uh, we're probably going to keep doing the same things we've been doing. And it might be a guy you know for a while. That might help a little bit. <laughs> it does. I asked him this question. And having been and having been a coach's kid, I always wondered what it I, – I knew what it was like to play for my dad. I don't know what it would have been like to coach with my pops – how is it for you? Does that even come into play at all? I know when we talked, he was like, Miles and I were talking ball 24-7. How is it coaching with your pops? Well, first off, I did not know you were a coach's kid. That's yeah. awesome. He went up in my book. Yeah. Um, you know, coaching with him has been an absolute blessing. As much as anything, I'm able to work with somebody who is well-known for linebacker play, defensive play. So before I even go to the familial thing, I think that that's the biggest thing that sticks out to me. Yeah. What made you decide to get into the profession, Miles? I mean, obviously you had somebody to look up to and to inspire you, but what else? You know, I just I love ball. 
you know, every uh, fall of my life, it's been about football season. And when I got older, started thinking about what I actually want to do with my life, and I couldn't think of anything better than coaching football every day. Miles, you're at University of Illinois, coaching college, come to the NFL. What's the biggest difference from college to the NFL as far as coaching, gameplay? I imagine the game's faster. I know when I go watch college games now, I'm like, wow, man, NFL is really that much faster. What were the differences like for you going from college, coaching college to coaching the NFL? Well, the first thing is not having to recruit. You know, yeah. you have a lot more time just to focus on the X's and O's. Um, <clears throat> Gameplay-wise, the game is definitely a lot faster. Players are faster, bigger, stronger, all that kind of stuff. So that is something that comes into play. But ultimately, when it comes down to it, football is still football. Yeah. So I don't think there's that much of a difference. What was the uh, welcome to the NFL moment, back to the NFL? Because you were with the Bucks before, yep. then you go to Illinois, but you're back in the NFL. And then was there a certain time where you just said, wow, this is different? I know you said football is football, but it had to be really interesting to you to be out here for OTAs last spring. Uh, absolutely. I think the first thing was, uh, you know, I, mean, I was used to spring ball where, you know, you have to be there and dealing with a situation where, you know, yeah. things are voluntary. Kind of had to attack it a little bit differently. You know, maybe you can't be – as hard as you may want to be because you want to scare guys off. But other than that, again, I just don't think there's a whole lot of difference. Miles, last year it was an interesting group because in training camp, I think there were eight linebackers in training camp, if I remember correctly. Seven of them grizzled vets, if you will. Then you had a rookie in Garrett Wallow. Kind of trying to merge that group together and coach that group. What was it like coaching that group last year in particular because you did have so many vets, and yet then you had this green Garrett Wallow coming from TCU what was it kind of like coaching that group last year? Well, I think uh, things were a little different last year because we might have had a lot of vets, but we didn't have a lot of vets that were here the years prior to right, that. Right, right. So everybody learned the system for the first time. There really wasn't a huge difference at first. Um, obviously, being a vet, you kind of know a little bit more about what to expect, and Garrett kind of had to figure a little bit more of that out as he went. But he, you know, he kind of has a, uh, a vet mentality, I should say. So he attacked it, and by the end of the season, there really wasn't a big difference between them. Well, we talked to Kamu and people like that, Christian Kirksey, and they love the system. So what is it about this system that players love and that you love to coach? Well, once you give them the base rules that they have to go with on each play, it allows linebackers to play fast. And there's a lot of, um, I guess, uh, they had the freedom to do a lot of different things where they could put checks on plays, they could do a lot where our linebackers really are the quarterbacks of the defense. So if you're somebody that wants to take charge and wants to really lead, Linebacker is a way to go in our system, and I think over the years we've shown that. Miles, last year, about this time, we're still trying to figure out what the linebacking crew was supposed to be, and that obviously is one difference from college to the NFL. I guess the transfer portal has changed a little bit, but you sort of know by this time what you're going to have in your stable of linebackers once you get ready as you approach spring ball. Right now you're going, well, I don't know. Are we going to resign this guy? We do know Garrett's here. You know Garrett's here. That's a, that's a good start, but is it disruptive for you at all in some sense, the fact that, I don't know. We, we don't know who we're going to have, and we're probably not going to know until, obviously, the draft comes by. Maybe there's a draft pick. Maybe there's some guys signed. Is it disruptive at all, or how does it change things for you, kind of not knowing what your stable of linebackers is heading into the season? I think at this point, it's not too big of a big deal just because, you know, we're not really working one-on-one -on -one with the players yet. So by the time we're really going to get going, there's going to be a stable of linebackers, and whoever we have, we're going to go with. Yeah. Obviously, we're going to have a little bit more um, – you know, a little bit different of a room probably next year. But hopefully we're going to have some continuity there. All right, so what about Houston? What do you think of the city, living here, being here, that sort of thing? I would say the first thing that comes to mind is uh, 
this winter was awesome. You know, I'm used to, you know, shoveling driveways and that type of thing. Yeah. And, you know, my wife and I, we've never lived in Texas. So just the weather aspect has been something that uh, I'm not looking forward to uh, leaving. What is that. it like for you when you hear your dad talk <laughs> about Texas with the love that he has for the Lone Star State? And here you are describing being here for the first time long term. You know, I uh, it was hard for me to really understand before I came down here. I've always heard the stories about Texas and just to be a Texan, what that really means. And I kind of, you know, I would roll my eyes at it. <laughs> but being down here now, there's just a, uh, there, it's just it's just different down here. It's, it's hard to put words on it, but just, uh, you know, everybody, when you say you're a Texan, it, it means something to other Texans. You know, he'll talk about, you know, apparently there's uh, there's some song they, they, they uh, all sing in school and all these deals <laughs> that, you know, from Illinois, I, I'm just not used to. So it uh, there's definitely just a, you know, a common element to that. Like Texas that. Pledge of Allegiance. Yes. <laughs> That's exactly. what I was, yeah, exactly. Exactly. So where do you claim home? Chicago, oh, Chicago. Illinois? Chicago That's where you claim home? Absolutely. I went to college up there as well, so definitely Chicago. So, so Lake, Lake Forest, right? Lake Forest, So what absolutely. is that like? Uh, Lake Forest is one of the best places out there. That is home. You know, I went to high school and college there. Yeah. You know, um, it's just different. You know, obviously it's close to Chicago, but it's far enough away and right on the beach, Lake Michigan. There's really nothing better than that. Okay, your your dad skirted this question, and I can understand why. But I asked him one time, was there a player that he enjoyed coaching more than the other? And I and I understand the fact that he doesn't want to say because you know he, he said it one time, and then the guy called him like, "Hey, coach, what about me?" But growing up, was there a player that you loved? watching more than any other whether you played for your dad or not was there a guy that you loved watching more than any other uh yes absolutely you know um brian Urlacher. uh there's something about brian obviously he's a hall of famer now but he wasn't a hall of famer because he was the best athlete out there he was a pretty good athlete but he was able to rise his game up just because he was an intelligent football player and it showed that being the quarterback of the defense you could impact a game more than any guy that could jump 50 inches and run a 4-3-40. You bring up a great point with Erlocker because I think when people watched Erlocker from afar, knowing the defense that y'all run, you look at it and go, Erlocker was a great fit. Boy, that fit for Erlocker. How important is fit for a linebacker into your defense, Miles? I would say it's more of a, a mental fit than it is a physical fit. Yeah, we want to have great athletes. Coach Smith always talks about that. Yeah. But you have to be an intelligent football player to play in our system. You have to know the ins and outs of it, and you really have to be a coach on the field. I think that's the biggest fit there is. Yeah, how do you tell if a guy has that or not? Does that surface at a young age, or can it be developed? Does it need to be developed? I'm sure that's a loaded question, but tell us about that part of it. Because when you say that Brian Erlacher was not the greatest athlete in the world, yet you look at what he did, that's incredible stuff right there. I don't want to be disrespectful to Brian. He right, was a great right, athlete, too. We're not going to tell him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's not listening right uh, now. I think there's an element of both of those. Mm-hmm. Um, I think you have to have a natural intelligence. Obviously, in the world, you can't, you know, just can't wing it like that. But I do think there's the other side of it. If you are a hardworking player and you're willing to grind your butt off, then you're going to be able to develop uh, a certain understanding of our defense that somebody who may be more naturally intelligent isn't going to be able to develop. Miles, great stuff. Thanks so much for joining us. Good luck. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. There's Texans linebackers coach Miles Smith joining us on Texans All Access. Thank you, everyone, for listening tonight. Thank you, Austin, for producing. Have a great night, everyone. Tomorrow night we'll have Nick Casario on the show. Go Texans.